Hi, this is Mac of MaxList. Find Your Dream Job is presented by MaxList, an online community where you can find free resources for your job search, plus online courses and books that help you advance your career. My latest book is called Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. It's a reference guide for your career that covers all aspects of the job search, including expert advice in every chapter. You can get the first chapter for free by visiting maxlist.org slash anywhere. This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm Mac Pritchard, your host and publisher of MaxList. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Leila O'Hara and Jessica Black from the MaxList team. This week, we're talking about why you can't keep all your options open when you look for work. One of the most common questions you'll get when you're looking for work is about what you want to do. Many job seekers say, I'm keeping all my options open. That's a mistake, says this week's guest expert, Caroline Adams. She says, when you get clear about what you want, you'll find your next job easier and faster. Caroline and I talk later in the show. You're at a networking event. You have a terrific conversation with someone you just met and you want to remain in touch. LinkedIn now lets you use QR codes in order to connect with others online right away. Leela tells us more in a moment. Are you more likely to get a job if you're the first applicant? That's our question of the week, and it comes from listener Wayne Kramer in Las Vegas, Nevada. Jessica shares her advice shortly. As always, let's start the show by checking in with the MaxList team. And uh, Leela, you have been out there poking around the internet looking for those tools, books, and websites people can use in a job search and in a career. So what have you found for our listeners this week? Yes, Mac, I've been uh, looking around. And this week, um, I found a great resource. Um, let's say that you're at a networking event and you make a great connection with a reputable leader in your industry. You eagerly exchange business cards with them and hope for the best. But business cards might be a thing of the past because LinkedIn has recently introduced a few new ways to connect virtually that will save you time and help you connect instantly during the event. The first is a new feature where you can create a QR code for your LinkedIn profile via the LinkedIn app. Simply open the LinkedIn app on your phone and scan your new connections QR code to instantly connect with them. And there's many more creative ways you can use this new feature. You can add it to brochures and event materials. You can display it on your website. You can include it on conference badges and lanyards. You can add it to your email signature or even import it directly onto your resume. LinkedIn also shared a great idea that I wanted to share with our listeners for how to make the most of your new connections and recap the event. Uh, They suggest to take a moment to keep the conversation going so you can easily stay in touch. For example, share a video from the event you're at with people you just met and connected with, or write a post recapping the meeting and tag them using the at sign, mentioning the people you just added to your network. Another new feature LinkedIn is developing is called Find Nearby. 
This feature allows you to find other LinkedIn members that are nearby using your mobile device. This is another great tool that can allow you to connect with fellow conference attendees and industry leaders by searching for their LinkedIn profiles based on their proximity and location. If you find this level of location tracking slightly creepy and invasive of your privacy... Yeah, I definitely do. Yeah, that was one thing that I like immediately thought of. I was like, oh, are they going to be tracking me all the time? Yes. Like, that's, a little, that's a little frightening. But there's no need to fear because LinkedIn says that you'll need to opt in to use this feature and you'll only be discoverable when you are on the Find Nearby page. Uh-huh. So they don't track, monitor, or store your precise location data um, you know, all time, like just following you around all the time. That would be a little... <laughs> much for LinkedIn. <laughs> and it would drain your phone battery for Definitely, sure. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we all know that LinkedIn is the largest um, social media platform for professional networking, and it's a great way to make new career connections and find new job opportunities. So I think it's really um, great that they're innovating and giving us new ways to connect. And I think that these new tools will be helpful for anyone attending a networking event or conference, um, whether you forgot your business cards or you just don't want to bring them at all. Hmm. That's a really interesting resource. I I do really like the concept of this. It'll be interesting to see how it works in actuality, mm-hmm. just to see if it kind of catches on. Because I remember a couple of years ago there was another app that was called like Bump or something like that, where you like were supposed to bump your phones together, and it was supposed to exchange contact information. Interesting, yeah, like this. Um, and so I, I remember that one. Yeah, too. and yeah. it never caught on. That's why everybody is looking. Or, well, Leela, you're looking at me with a blank stare. But yeah, I haven't um, heard of that. Yeah, uh, because it didn't catch on. And oh, so I'm curious. I'm, I'm hopeful that LinkedIn. Has has utilized some additional technology that will help. Help. Um, plus, they have a larger brand name mm-hmm. and things like that. People already use LinkedIn. Hopefully, that will help spur those connections. Um, I like the, like I said, I like the concept because I um, am always looking for ways to reduce paper usage. Um, but I also struggle with that because when I'm at a networking event, I I'm so focused on the in-person connections. I don't want to be having my phone out all the time and worrying about what, how to be connected with that. You know, I, I would rather, I like that. I am, I like at networking events where you can just exchange business cards and you put it in your pocket and you look at it later. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how it works in execution, I guess. So am I. I, I. I think they're all great tools. I've been hearing about the death of the business card now for about 20 years. Yeah. And, and this might be the thing that does it. Well, time will tell. Uh, but it. some things just hang on, and, and one of them is business cards. There are still organizations that use fax machines, right. which yeah. is shocking to me. Uh, but I, I think these are terrific tools, and it'll, I encourage our listeners to check them out. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, thanks, Leela. All right, thanks, Leela. If you've got a suggestion for Leela, send her an email, and we'd love to share your idea on the show. Her address is Leela at maxlist.org. Now it's time to dig uh, far and deep into that Maxlist mailbag because it's overflowing. <laughs> and Jessica's, Sometimes it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It, it does fill up. And you've pulled out a letter for us or an email, I think. Uh, for it was us. an email. It was. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but have we ever gotten a letter? I know we've gotten voicemails. Oh, no, I don't think we've gotten a physical letter. Okay. That would be nice. Yeah, maybe yeah. one day. But maybe one day. Tell us about the email you got this week. 
I got an email from Wayne Kramer from Las Vegas, Nevada, and he asks, is there any advantage to being the first, one of the first people to apply for a job? When a new job listing pops up on LinkedIn or Craigslist, I sometimes feel the urge to apply as soon as possible. Does getting your application in early make any impact? So um, I really like this question because I think that this is a common, I think, misconception. Um, Although I will say that I think that it will always depend on the employer or the hiring manager receiving those applications. Some people may find value in in getting that first applicant and and just uh, once the first person that meets the qualifications and then they're done. But I do think that uh, it benefits you as a job seeker to take some time to really process. And uh, we talk about it a lot here on the podcast of looking through the job description to pull out those specific keywords that are going to um, match on your resume and really tailor those cover letters and tailor those resumes to um, make sure that you are the best fit for the job rather than being the first one to apply. Um, Because a one-size-fits-all resume doesn't doesn't really do the trick. And, uh, and so in this case, I would say it doesn't give you a better chance at, or a, a bigger impact, um, just because taking more time will allow you to really, really convey what you've done, your accomplishments, your skills, and how you will benefit that actual employer and that actual job that you're applying for. So what would you, um, Mac and Leela add to that? Yeah, I think that's definitely the right strategy to take. It's kind of, um, it reminds me of like the tortoise versus the hare like metaphor. Like, Mm -hmm. would you rather be like slow and steady or just like speed through it and potentially, you know, miss something? Like, I think it's a lot better to slow it down and take the extra step to kind of review it um, multiple times just to make sure that your job application is complete and that you're showcasing like why you're the best person for the job instead of leaving some information out or just rushing to be the first one to submit it when you could have spent more time on it because most job applications I feel like have at least like a two week window for yeah. application so there's not like a huge rush to be the first one to apply on the first day and there are no prizes for being the first one exactly exactly <laughs> yeah I agree I as an employer i put postings up at our companies, say, at 8 o'clock on Monday morning, and I've gotten responses at 8.10. Right. And I appreciate people's interest, but to your point, Jessica, it demonstrates they haven't really done the homework. Right. And, and they've just responded. And it's hard to take an application like that seriously. So I, I think, it to as you say, Lila, most employers are going to allow a two-week window. So... I think it's good to get your material in during, say, the first week uh, when the review is likely to begin. It's usually, I think most employers probably, they're they're looking at them every day, but they're getting serious about identifying people for phone interviews, say, by day four or five. And it only takes a few hours to put together a really good application and maybe some homework on top of that. So it's it's doable during the first week. I agree. Yeah, Yeah, that's really great advice. Thanks, Wayne. Yeah. Let us know how it goes, Wayne. And if you've got a question for Jessica, send her an email. Her address is jessica at maxlist.org. You can call that listener line. That number is area code 716-JOMP-TALK or post your question on the MaxList Facebook group. You can even send an old-fashioned snail mail letter. So That's right. Our address is on the website. It is. Uh, and if we use your question on the show, we'll send you a copy of Land Your Dream Job Anywhere. 
We'll be back in a moment, and when we return, I'll talk with our guest this week, Caroline Adams, about why you can't keep all your options open when you're looking for work. I meet with thousands of job seekers every year, people who struggle to find meaningful, rewarding work that matters. I see many people make the same simple mistake in a job search. It's a fatal error, and it makes the hunt for work longer and harder. What's this critical blunder? People don't have a clear job search goal. You might think it's wise to apply everywhere, but the more you narrow down your job search, the easier everything gets and the happier you'll be in your next gig. So stop chasing every lead. Instead, put all your energy into the opportunities that you really want. Of course, setting your goals is easier said than done, especially when all you know is what you don't want to do. That's why I created a new resource that can help. It's called Finding Focus in Your Job Search. This free step-by-step guide will help you figure out what you want in your career and in your next job. To get Finding Focus in Your Job Search, visit maxlist.org focus. Again, go to maxlist.org focus. Now let's get back to the show. Now let's turn to this week's guest expert, Caroline Adams. Caroline Adams is a career coach, writer, and business owner. She helps millennial women design careers with purpose. She works with clients all over the world and divides her time between Chicago and New York City. Caroline, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Mac. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And I love our topic this week because you're a career coach, and obviously here at MaxList we talk to a lot of job seekers and uh, and one, this is something I hear a lot from job seekers when I ask them what they're looking for. They say, well, I want to keep all my options open. And why, Caroline, is that not a good idea? Yeah, it's a great question. And actually, it's it's one I hear all the time as well. Um, and so I, I want to start by talking about a subtle difference, perhaps, but an important shift about how we think about generating options. Um, and this is a shift from, as you said, keeping your options open to opening your eyes to the right opportunities uh, because it's perfectly fine to want options, right? All of us want options. But I think too often people, when it comes to their careers, they, they go about it in a way that doesn't serve them and they end up pretty frustrated in the process. So often, and maybe this is familiar to some of your listeners, uh, the way people approach Uh, generating options is kind of casting this wide net, right? So I I don't want to eliminate any of my options. So everything's basically on the table by default. And typically the way they do this is they go to the job posting boards and they kind of take this, I know it when I'll see it approach. And the challenge with this is that it actually limits you because already you're trying to match yourself to what someone else wants as opposed to really what you want. And so by resisting committing to even a few criteria at the outset about what you actually want (laughs) to narrow your focus on those options, um, you run the risk of keeping things so open that you either pick an option that's just really the best of a lot of bad options, (laughs) or you might stay exactly where you are because none of the options really match and so you stay stuck. Or even one thing I see a lot is people actually getting sucked back in to the very same opportunities that they're trying to get away from because it's familiar to them, right? And because they haven't 
taken the time to narrow in any way. They just, it's human nature, right? We gravitate to the things we know. And so they get out there and suddenly they're kind of looking at options that are slightly different, but actually pretty much the same. And so the idea behind this, when you keep your options open, um, it's really hard to get traction. And by the way, it's also exhausting. I'm kind of exhausted (laughs) talking about it uh, (laughs) this way. Um, And unfortunately, what happens a lot of times is when when people search this way, uh, by the time they get to me, they're not only exhausted and overwhelmed with all of these options that are not really right and don't really fit, it also you know, they're, they're kind of deflated and maybe they're even questioning, you know, whether there's any job out there for them. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, your confidence flags a little bit. So what I like to do instead is I want people to be much more intentional about how they create options. And the way I'd like to advocate doing this is to start with your career hypothesis. So I think of it like a science experiment. Right. So uh, you don't walk into the lab and meet your team and say, "Okay, guys, let's start discovering stuff. Right. We'll we'll know our breakthroughs when we see it. Um, And the same thing goes with your career. Right. If you don't have a career hypothesis, you basically are allowing circumstances or in a lot of cases, as I've mentioned, the job posting boards um, define it for you. Um, And so when, when I talk about hypothesis, just to make this a little bit more real for people. Um, It could be anything. So you start off with, well, I want to work in a job that makes a difference in people's lives, or I want to work in a job where I can really control my schedule. And actually, as an example, I was working with a client just a couple weeks ago, and we were going back and forth to kind of to figure out what she actually wanted. And she discovered that she actually really liked the work that she was doing. She liked her job duties and it was just really a mismatch between, you know, kind of the corporate culture and and what she actually wanted. And she said to me, wow, that is so much less reinvention than I thought I originally needed. And it was a huge relief for her because now we knew we were looking for a similar role, but just with a different organization that was a better fit. And so we could be much more laser focused about our approach um, instead of where we started with her, which is what are all the things she could do instead (laughs) of what she's currently doing. And so you can see even, you know, something like that is as soon as you start to narrow a few of your non-negotiables or the things that you already know, it just makes the search go a lot more easily. And right. well, um, Let's talk about that, Caroline, yeah. because uh, hi, listeners are are, one, are thinking, well, I, how do I do this on my own? Yeah. Because uh, I'm sitting down at the computer and I'm, I'm doing what you're telling me not to do, which is looking at <laughs> all the possibilities. And, and I think you know, too, uh, obviously, and, and many of our listeners do as well, that most jobs aren't posted. So there's, uh, yeah. if all they're relying on is what they see on the internet, they're they're missing out on a huge number of opportunities out there. So how can someone take those first steps towards getting clear about what they want? What what are some practical things people can do at home? Yeah. So I, I think the overarching initial idea here is um, what I call honesty is the best policy, um, and that is 
sitting down and being really honest with yourself about what you really want. You know, what are you looking for? You have to understand what you really want and actually commit to that and put it down on paper. Um, because being clear about what's most important to you is going to help you, you know, put you on a path um, to find those things that are aligned with that. Um, and so I'll, I'll talk about some specifics about you know, questions to ask to do this in a minute, but I, 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 I don't want to belabor this, but I, I think um, it's really important to underscore with people because I, I see a lot of resistance with this stuff, actually. As you said before, people don't want to narrow their thinking uh, because they think it's going to uh, reduce their opportunities in the end. The idea is that you can always change <laughs> your hypothesis, right? You can always, once you put something down on paper, you can go back later and refine it. In fact, I hope you do refine it as you go out and talk to people and test your ideas about what you think you want and prove out the theories. Um, but it's, it's really about you know, being honest with yourself first. And I, I think, like I said, people do that sometimes because they think it's going to limit their options. I think the other thing that comes up for people um, is they start conflating what they want and being honest with themselves about that with how they're going to get it. And so let's say that they want a job with much better work-life balance, right, where they can do the things outside of work that they want to do. Um, and when they don't see that immediately available, right, either because they're looking at job posting boards or, as you mentioned, they're, um, you know, they know that they have to talk to people uh, because most jobs aren't posted, they start arguing with themselves <laughs> about whether their vision is realistic. So I think the, the most important thing at this stage um, and the very first step that they can take is don't worry about how or when you're going to make this happen, but just commit to paper what you think you want. Because if you start making concessions before you even begin, you're already watering down the end result. Okay, well, let's talk about the the what, and you're yeah. at the table writing down your job search goal. Is it as simple as describing the position you want and the kinds of opportunities and and uh, it offers and, and benefits and, and the skills it requires? Uh, tell us more about that. Yeah, so I think I think where you started is really really good, and um, it can be we can add a lot of layers to it. But just to give you three very simple ones to start with, uh, the first thing I call people, places, and things. So, what do you want to spend your day doing? Who do you want to spend it with? What do you want to do outside of work? And so, think of from the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed. Uh, what are the things you want to do? And, you know, yes, this involves your job and your career and the stuff you want to do every day, but it also includes the things outside of work, right? If you don't love getting up at 4.30 in the morning, well, let's build that in <laughs> uh, because we want to make sure that we have a job that, you know, doesn't require you to, to do things that, that you don't want to do. So I think it's really thinking about those people, places, and things first off. Um, the second thing where I, I see people getting caught up a lot of times because they don't have these things already and so they want them, they use terms like, well, I want freedom or I want autonomy or I want flexibility or I want to help people. And those are great terms to start with. What I really encourage people to do is, is go the next layer beneath that. So what does freedom mean to you? Right, your idea of freedom in the workday and my idea of freedom in the workday might look totally different. In fact, they probably do. Right, so um, and strategic, strategic is another word I hear all the time. And as you know, as you're going out and talking to people, 
when you use a word like strategic, it could be applied in so many different ways. So I think the, the second key is to take, take those words and really define what they mean to you. How do you want to help people? You know, in order to help people, what sort of interactions do you want to have with the people that you're helping? What do your coworkers uh, look like? How does your boss help you do that? And so really kind of take those really broad words and kind of go the next layer down, as I said. Um, and the third and final thing, and again, these are just starting points because you can really answer a lot of other questions too. And I think what you mentioned about skills and strengths is really important too. But as far as what you want, um, I think it's really important to think about those things that a lot of times we see as ancillary, uh, but that can really make or break a really good role. And so what I mean by ancillary is, you know, I know a lot of people who have miserable commutes or they work in a windowless office or the dreaded open plan <laughs> office space. Um, and so, you know, you could have a really, really great role, but if there are elements in your environment or with the people that you're interacting with uh, or with the dress code, um, those details matter because they can really affect um, not only uh, they, they can affect you in a way that it, it doesn't matter if you really like the details of your job because those other things aren't there. And if, if I can share a quick example of where uh, a client of mine did a really good job at this, um, she was a runner and she decided to her credit, she decided really early on that one of her main criteria was that she wanted to start work at 10 in the morning at the earliest so that she could run in the morning. And she just eliminated all of the options that wouldn't let her do that because, you know, running was really important to her and health was a key value. And I think that's absolutely brilliant. And I think a lot of us don't think that way. We get so focused on the nuts and the bolts of the job itself that we don't think about all those other elements of our life. And we focus so much on the job description and then we try to cram our life in around the edges and then we're confused and upset as to why we're not enjoying it. So I think that was a really great example of where she really thought about the entire life she wanted to lead first and then she fit career as an important piece of that, but just a piece of the overall life that she wanted to live. So write down what you want to do, think about how you want to do that work, and then also consider culture, commutes, and other circumstances that might not be part of the job's responsibilities, but uh, are, are an important part of the, of the, the, the work day. Yeah, I think that's a great summary. Okay. And so you got that state, you've done that work, you've made that list. What do you do next, Caroline? Yeah, so I think um, a lot of times people will take a look at this list and they fall into what I call either or thinking. And so I want them to trade in either or thinking for yes and thinking. So let me explain these terms a little bit more. So I think what happens a lot of times is let's say people say, um, you know, they have their list of all of the things that they want after we go through those prompts that we just talked about. Um, and they fall into the sort of binary thinking that pits your career goals against one another. <laughs> and it kind of forces you into these impossible decisions. So some examples I hear are, I can do something creative, or I can make money. I can have a real impact at work, or I can have a life outside of work. Uh, or if I, if I take a new job, 
I'd have to lose my current flexibility. And these are all examples of this either or thinking because you're assuming that you're going to have to sacrifice something important. So what I like to do is challenge people to take this yes and approach instead. And I I took this term from improv comedy. So if, if folks don't know, the idea behind it is that you accept what your partner on stage says, and then you add to whatever they say to take the idea further. And you say, yes, and, and then you build on the idea. And so when you apply this to your career, it's looking at all the different ways you can b- combine these things that you want so that you don't have to choose. So to use that example I used before, it's how can I do something creative and make money. Um, And I I work with a lot of clients actually that do this. And so I I, I really enjoy this process of kind of turning over all these disparate things and, okay, how can we make this work together? So I have a, a client that I'm working with right now. She wants to be an expert in her field. She wants to run a business. She wants to write. She wants to teach. She wants to speak. And so what we're focusing on right now, what I encourage folks to do is start playing around with the percentage of those things, right? So if you, if you want to do a certain thing, like in her case, speaking, if you could only do that once a quarter, is that enough? Or do you want to do that more often? Uh, what are the various ways you can combine those things? So if you could speak outside of work um, and not get paid for it through your day job, would that be okay? Or is it important that that be an aspect of your job? And so in this way, and just really playing around, again, taking that yes and approach to say, I'm, I'm going to start from the point of I want something that allows me to do all of these things. You can generate a ton of different options, uh, but they're all in the right space, right? So you're not having to choose, oh, I have to choose between these five things and then make concessions. You're able to kind of look at all of these things together because yes, and allows you to start from that place of how do I make this work rather than, you know, starting from a point of what do I have to give up? So you're identifying options that, again, come back to that earlier work about what you want to do and how you want to do it and the circumstances uh, in which you want to work. So you, you've got those that list of options, Caroline. Now, what do you do next? Do you go back to the job boards? Do you go out and talk to people? What, <laughs> yeah. what, what's the next step? Yeah, so I would advocate, there's different perspectives on this, but I would advocate uh, stay away from the job boards. Um, and I, I am a big fan of going out and talking to people. And what I actually say is, you know, just talk to everyone and tell them what you want. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell people in your network, um, and, and also expand your network and look for the people in the roles that you're looking for and um, in the organizations that you think you might want to work for. Because in those discussions, right, that's where in articulating what you think you want um, and hearing their feedback and ideas, um, you start, first of all, getting increased clarity on, oh, I, I didn't realize until I said that out loud, you know, how important it is to me to have this certain thing. Um, and then you also get feedback from folks. Like you might really be excited about an idea. And then as you go and explore and talk to people who are actually doing that work, you find out, oh, this is, I'm going to have to work holidays and weekends, and I really don't want to do this. Um, so I think the idea here is that you, you have to, back to this hypothesis idea, right? You have to test it. Uh, and what, what I see people do sometimes here, the trap that they fall into, aside from going back to the job posting boards, is they 
have a great idea. They get really, really excited about it. They just ruminate on it and just think about it in their heads. Um, and then after a period of time, maybe it's hours, days, or weeks, they get discouraged and they abandon it. And then they jump to the next thing. And so it just kind of puts them in this loop of, you know, just being in their heads and going up and down this roller coaster of being excited and then getting deflated and then starting the pattern over again. So I think that's another great reason to talk to people because you can really get a lot of great reinforcement a lot of times from people that, oh yeah, this is the right path. And you know what? Sometimes you might find this thing that I thought I wanted, I actually don't want it. And that's okay because in the spirit of kind of taking all of the options off the table and starting to narrow them, you can actually say, you know what? I'm, I'm okay with not doing that option, right? I've eliminated that because it's not interesting to me anymore. And so I think the main question here for people to ask um, is, is this as interesting as I thought it would be, right? And does this, as I go out and talk to people, does this line up with my vision? It's not, again, do I know exactly how I'm going to do this? We're not there yet. <laughs> this is just testing out your options and figuring out if the options that you think you know are the right ones and maybe discovering some new ones. If it's interesting, you continue. If it's not interesting, then we drop it. Well, it's terrific advice. And uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation because I, I know, as we talked about at the beginning, people struggle with this. They, 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 they want to find rewarding work. They've also got to pay their bills. And they're not quite sure, I, I find, when I talk to job seekers, how best to get clear about what they want to do. So I appreciate your, your guidance here, Caroline. Now, tell us what's next for you. Yeah, so um, uh, my favorite thing in the world is working through career challenges with people one-on-one. -on -one. And so most clients I work with, I work with over the long term, but I actually just launched a new service. It's called Ask a Career Coach, and it's individual coaching sessions. And so you just come, it's an hour long session. You can come and ask me anything about your big, bad career aspirations. We can work through a particular challenge if you have that. And I like this because it's at a lower price point without the commitment of long-term coaching. And it gives people an opportunity to not only try out coaching to see if they like it, but as well as get traction on their most pressing career changes. Terrific. Well, we'll be sure to include a link to that service in the show notes. And I know people can learn more about you and your company and your services by visiting carolineadamscoaching.com. Uh, Caroline, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks again for having me. It was my pleasure. We're back in the Maxless studio with Leila and Jessica. What are your thoughts about my conversation with Caroline? Well, that was fantastic. Her energy and Amazing energy, just huh? has shared yeah. so many great stories and anecdotes about um, really how to get clear about your vision, which I really appreciate because I do think that this is a place that a lot of job seekers get stuck, myself included. You know, I think it's, I'm a um, self-described multi-potentialite of having multiple interests. And um, I've always had a hard time narrowing that down. And so she gave a lot of really clear and direct um, tips of how to go about that. And I just really liked that she, you know, the, the best tip that she gave and really what job seekers need to do is just sit down and process 
Um, and I liked her focus on um, being really honest with yourself and just really taking that time to, to, to write down all the things that you both enjoy, uh, that you're good at, and all of those things, rather than thinking about what you want to do, but what you really how that will really help you in, you know, finding that, that right fit. So I liked her, everything that she said about um, how to go about that. Definitely. Yeah. I liked the point that she made, because I think this has happened to me and I'm sure it's happened to other listeners out there. Um, when you're um, identifying like your dream career and you think of, oh, these requirements would make the most sense for me, but then you think, oh, maybe this is too narrow. Maybe this isn't realistic. Maybe I'm never going to find something that meets all of this mm-hmm. criteria. But I think the example she shared with um, her client who is a, r- a runner and was able to find a job that would allow her to um, start the day at 10 a.m. as opposed to coming into the office at 8 or 9 um, just really shows that like you can make it work and you don't have to feel the need to apply for everything. Like you can be specific with what you want and then go after that. Yeah. And I liked also kind of related to that. I liked that she shared about the, the fact that there's a total package that comes along with it. It's not just finding the right, um, your day-to-day job responsibilities, but there's your environment matters and your, you know, your yeah. running schedule or the things that are outside of um, the actual time in the office also compound and and make a difference. And that's something to think about as well and be, again, really clear about. And I, I liked that she identified that and, and made that clear. Yeah, me too. And, I, and her big idea here is that the job seeker should be in the driver's seat. Right. And, and the way you do that if you're looking for work is you write down what you want, you tell others what you want, and you listen and learn and ask for their help. Uh, and that's very different than sitting in front of a job board looking for opportunities and waiting for others to pr- come up with ideas that may or may not interest you. And I think yeah. it's a much more rewarding approach in the end. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, terrific advice, uh, Carolyn, and thank you both for the uh, the feedback about the conversation. Thank you, our listeners, for downloading today's episode of Find Your Dream Job. Are you still working through the first step of your job search? Still don't know what it is you want to do? You'll really benefit from our my goal-setting resource, Finding Focus in Your Job Search. Go to the MaxList website now. Visit maxlist.org slash focus. Again, Download our free step-by-step guide today to setting your goals. Go to maxlist.org slash focus. And join us next Wednesday when our special guest will be Dorianne St. Fleur. She'll explain how to find out if a company's culture is right for you. Until next time, thanks for letting us help you find your dream job.